0: open your Bible again this week to Luke chapter 22. Last week, it was about fail-proof faith. The title obviously comes from this passage we've heard so often in verse 31 and 32 when Jesus addresses Peter and he informs him that the devil desires to turn him away from the faith, to defeat him, discourage him, whatever he can do, to keep him from accomplishing anything God wants him to do. He said, Simon, Simon, behold, the devil has desired thee that he might sift thee as wheat. Jesus said, and I would emphasize the words, but I. This is the alternative. This is what's going to happen. But I have prayed for you that your faith fail thee not. And once he said, you're converted, strengthen your brethren. Now, the subject that we're looking at Is what Jesus said, that thy faith fail thee not. Faith is a wonderful subject. So much in the Bible depends on it. So much is accomplished by it. So much is available through it. And yet it's one subject, and I don't want this to sound mean and ugly or exclusive, but the subject of faith has largely been set aside by the modern church today, by the churches that exist in the world today. Little is made of faith. It's a word that only applies to your brand of religion, the Baptist faith, Catholic faith, Methodist faith. It's just simply a word that describes your collection of doctrines that make up your church. And yet, the Bible goes into great specific detail about what faith is and how it works, and it has come to be, at least for me, after 43 years of being a Christian. I found that it's still always interesting You never quite master it. It's always a challenge, and there's never a day you live that it's not necessary. There's never a time in my life as a Christian, no matter how far I have traversed down the road of life, that I can set aside what I have learned or what I know about faith, that I no longer have to depend on it like I used to. There's never been a time that that's been true. It's a necessary thing every day. It's the one simple way that I please God. It's the only way I can relate to God, and probably as big as anything else we said last week, it's the way grace comes into your life. It's the way grace comes, and grace is God's favor. Is there anybody that doesn't need favor from God? Something when God comes into your life and adds something to it or fixes something or takes care of something, when he does that, that's grace, The reason grace doesn't come as it should to so many people is because of a lack of faith. Remember this, for by grace through faith, by grace through faith are you saved. And that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Both grace and faith and salvation are all gifts. They are things that must be given. And when you're born again, God gives you faith That's the way you walk with God the rest of your life. You have to learn the mechanics of it. There's a lot of things that God will teach you if you're interested, and much of the church world doesn't seem to be interested in it. We get a lot of interest in our problems and this and that, and faith will fix and solve those things, but either we don't apply it or we haven't learned that or we don't see that. But the point is faith is such a big deal. The walk by faith, to live by faith, the prayer that is prayed by faith, and that outstanding statement in James chapter 1 that if you pray, you're not really sure. You're like a wave of the sea driven and tossed with the wind. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything. Anything includes a lot, anything from the Lord. So I want to make it a big deal in my life, and I hope that in my tenure here that I have made a big deal out of it. Maybe so much that people have gotten used to it and just take it for granted. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, Jesus said one specific thing to Peter in our text. He said, you know, the devil is not impressed with you. He knows you've heard a lot. you walking with the right crowd. You're in the right group. You've got God in a human body uh, leading you around and teaching you things. But I'm not impressed that you really believe all that. I'm not impressed you'll hold on to all the things you've heard. The devil challenges your faith. He said, Peter, Satan has desired has by asking, I think the Greek text says, has by asking obtained you, just much like he did Job, that he might sift you as wheat. He's not scared of you. He's not impressed with you. He thinks you'll give up. He thinks a little pressure, a little shakening in your life, a little disappointments, a few disappointments, maybe some fears, ooh, it could be serious. He thinks you'll give up. But Peter, I have prayed for you that your faith will fail not. It's the only thing you have as a weapon against the devil that will draw God into the conflict to defend you. Faith. You got to fight the good fight of faith. God responds to faith. Faith. When he sees it, that's what he responds to. And when you send faith to heaven, God sends his grace to earth with the very need that you have in your life. But you've got to fight the good fight of faith. So God doesn't give us faith that fails. And faith is a gift. It's not given with a design that you may fail. The faith that God gives doesn't fail. It works. If it didn't work, then Jesus wouldn't have prayed for it not to fail. If it ever fails, it's because it's an act of your will. And that's what the devil works on. I must be willing to take what God gives me, the truth from which faith comes, and count on God to do those truths. And when I'm counting on God to do those, God will call that faith, trusting in the Lord. Now, the devil doesn't believe you really mean it. We've all seen 10,000 people start this way, but very few have ever stayed with it. So why would you be any different? So the devil comes against you, but Jesus is praying. Do you suppose, as I said last week, that his prayer is ever answered? Now, if his prayers are answered and he says, I am praying for you, remember in John 17, he says, I pray not for the world, but for those that the Lord has given me. Jesus isn't praying for everybody. He prays specifically for those the Lord gave him. Some people are children of the devil. Didn't he say that? So he prays for the ones that the Lord gave him. And if God hears his prayer and he's praying for you, you're going to make it. You may not know that at the time. It may not seem like you're going to make it. You may be going through some fiery trials and oh, boy. But remember, if you believe what has been promised and you're willing to hold fast to the promise, you'll come through. You'll make it. God is faithful. Now, today, how then can we out here understand what fail-proof faith is? I want my faith to work every day for the rest of my life. I want to be able to say when I reach the end of my days that God has been to me what he said he would be. He has done for me what he said, not because he said it, but because he has enabled me to believe it. He gave me a place to go. He gave me a Bible to read. He gave me time to study. He gave me people that could answer questions, people who could teach me. God has enabled me by learning to have faith. That is, to come to the point where the light of his word opens up to me and I become inwardly convinced that he'll do that. Now, not everybody gets here, but some do. He'll do it. If he said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, he'll make it good. Many can quote that. I don't know how many believe that. But that's what we come to when we walk with the Lord, a convincing from on high that what he has specifically said, he will do specifically for you. He'll do it. And so we begin to walk this way, and God begins to bless us and take care of us. Now, number one. If you want fail-proof faith, one thing is absolutely essential and necessary for which there are no options, no substitutes. If you ever have real faith, the kind of faith that we're talking about, it is always based on God's will. We've heard that. I hope you have. I hope you've heard that because there's no higher purpose in life. There's nothing greater for a Christian to know than God's will. People are not actually seeking God's will as much as they are seeking some meaningful way to live, some reasonable spiritual goodness. Let's form ourselves around good purposes and good things. Let's help people and do things and build things and and share things. There's nothing wrong with that. But if that's what Christianity is to you, you've missed it. Because a whole lot of people are involved in a whole lot of things that aren't necessarily God's will for them, but it seems good to do those things. But God's will supersedes anything that man thinks of, any man designs, whatever man wants to do. You see, faith, the simple message of faith begins with an act of my will, my willingness to take God at his word. I can't make the word true by taking God at his word. God's word is given to me as an object of my faith. You know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And so God presents it to me. The spirit of God illumines that to me, makes it clear to me. So that I'm not just reading the Bible once a day or listening to sermons, but suddenly the sermon and the message in the Bible has purpose. It's pointed at my heart it becomes clearer to me that this is what God wants me to do. This is why we grow. This is why we change. If we change, this is why we overcome. If we overcome, because God gives us something that we're inspired by, this is what we begin to do, this is the way we begin to live, and faith is simply a willingness on my part to count on God to do what he said. I can't make it true by believing it. I don't make it real because I have faith. It's real because God said it. It's true because God said it. How many of you know that God's word is a fact? It's a fact. F-A-C-T. It's real. It's true. Has reality is so. And when God's word becomes a fact, it is a statement of reality. This is true from God's side. This is an unchanging truth. It will never be anything but that. And that is the only thing I am willing to watch over forever to do. And you think of it, faith is me counting on God to do what he said. And what he said is a fact. If he said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, he'll make it good. That's what he has said. See, God's will must be a living and true fact to me. I have to see what he is saying. It has to be there. It has to be understood. And I have to accept it as true. If I'm going to have a clear faith, if I'm going to come to the place where I am sure this is going to happen, which is our next point, I've got to have a clear word. This word has got to be clear to me, folks. It has to be clear. I have to understand it. I can't say, well, God says he's the Lord that heals me, and, and I know he heals. I'm sure that he can because I've read many places in the Bible where he healed. He must have healed thousands of people. So I know that he can. He did it in the Old Testament, did it in the New Testament, and I'm certain that God is capable and able to do this. There's no condition that a man can have in this life that God can't fix. Now, I know that that's true. You can know that academically. But are you sure of it for yourself, see? Your faith, again, has to be based on God's will. Any so-called faith that what people call faith, when the will of God is unclear and uncertain, is nothing more than wishful thinking. Thousands of people have confessed and confessed. I'm confessing the word is true. That's good. You've got a good confessor, but do you believe it? Do you really believe this? And we've taken for granted for years. I think I have. We've taken for granted for years that everybody that hears it believes it. But that hasn't proven to be true. Because a lot of people aren't really clear about the will of God. They know that God said it. They're not sure he'll do it for them. Isn't that what the modern church has taught? Well, we know that God could. We know that he's done this before. We know that down through the centuries this and that's happened. But you see, times have changed. Times have changed. That doesn't mean God's changed, but times have changed. And when times change, you know, modern man begins to say, well, the way God used to do things, he's not doing it that way now. What we could believe then, we can't believe that way now. And consequently, your faith is left back in the last Decade when you got started or three decades or four decades ago And here you are today and the people you're listening to and the stuff you're reading and stuff Has talked you out of your faith. You don't know if it's the will of God or not How can I have faith in God if the will of God is not clear? I have to know myself I can't base my faith on you being clear or that it worked for you that may inspire me But I have to see it myself I have to see it myself. I have to see clearly from the Word the things that God has said about His Word and His purpose for me, and I have to believe that those things are true because faith is simply me counting on a fact for my life. I can't make the Word of God true. You can't either. It is only the goodness of God that He opens our eyes to even see it because most people don't. They can read it, they can memorize it, but it's not real. It's just something. But for some of us, this fact, this statement that God has made, these statements that God has made in his Bible are life-giving facts, unchanging facts, just like God, I am the Lord, I change not. And what was true yesterday is true today, it'll be true tomorrow. When God first said it, he'll never change what it meant. It meant it yesterday, it'll mean the same thing tomorrow. I have to come to that conclusion that God's word is for me and that God's word is God's will. Now, secondly, this morning, the question we could ask is, are you sure of it? This is where most people, I suspect, have become stumped, having a problem with faith. Remember what Paul said? He said, for I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. You remember that? It's just a verse of scripture in it. Second Timothy 1:12 says, Paul said, I know. I don't know if you know or not. I don't know if they know, but I know in whom and in what I have believed. And. I not only know what is said in the Bible and how real that has come to me, but I am also persuaded. I am convinced. I am sure that what was said was said to me and that I can count on it. I know that he'll do what he said because I'm sure that what he said, he's willing to do for me. Paul said, I know in whom I have believed. You see, when you believe, folks, you believe with your heart. It's not mental gymnastics that we believe by. It's not just quoting the Bible and keep saying it, and maybe it'll come to pass. That's not faith. This is something only God can really ultimately define, but the best that I can define it is that when the Word of God finds a place of lodging in your heart, it becomes the message of your heart. It becomes what you hear on the inside. It's what your mind is hearing. It's when God has put his message in your heart and it speaks clearly to you. This is the way walk ye in it. It doesn't mean I will, but it's got to start there. See, my mind, the control center in my life, is where my will is. My will is where my intellect is. And sometimes the things of God doesn't make sense. They don't compute naturally. Well, how could this be? How could you lay hands on somebody with an advanced stage of cavobius? How could you lay hands on somebody like that, and because you laid hands on them, they'd be healed? It doesn't make sense. I don't have a natural understanding of what God said. Therefore, I cannot believe it yet. I can acknowledge it's in the Bible. I just can't believe it. My heart won't let me just be persuaded that that'll work. I know it's in there. I want to believe that. I want to walk that way because I know we should. I know we're supposed to. Oh, we're known as the church. At this, you know, I want all of that to work for me. But quite frankly, if there's nobody around, I won't get shot for, for saying this. I'm just not sure yet that I, that 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 I'm there. I know you've never been here, but I have. I just wonder. Well, I know, you know, how can, you, how can this be? I mean, how can you just say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe, and then you quit praying, you don't have to pray anymore? How, how can that be? And yet God appeals to the simplicity of a man's mind. Educated people have problem with this wall. I'm not saying that's why you're here. But I'm just saying that a lot of intelligent people that reason everything out and only believe what makes sense, they can't accept this thing about faith. They can't just count on God to do what he said. Are you sure that God will do for you what he said in the word? This is where most of our problems are. And for the last umpteen hundred years, well, umpteen decade years, well, last 40 years. This is where most people's problems, as I look at it and study it and try to think about it, where it, this is where most people's problems are. They haven't come to the full assurance of faith, as Hebrews 10 says. They have not arrived at a place in relation to God's word and what God said that they are fully assured that what he said he will do for them. And praise God, I don't have to take thought about that anymore whether my eyes, my mind, my teeth, my brain, my blood, my heart, my gizzards, my innards, nothing. I don't have to be concerned about that. I don't need all the medical checkups anymore because I am convinced that what God has said, he will do. And he said, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. You know what? We want to come to the place where we say, you know what? I know God will do that. I am going to walk in health and not healing. I'll be healed, but I'd rather be well. Don't need healing. Amen? Amen. But let's face it. While the word is true, and we can't deny that, a lot of people have not had the assurance that that's going to work for them. And there's been so many guilt trips and failures and hospital trips and pills and all kinds of things and people have just gotten all out of sorts because somehow we have this idea oh we failed the message of our church folks you're not a pioneer a lot of people have done that oh that's the church that doesn't believe in doctors well that ain't true that's the church that doesn't go to doctors that's not true that's a church that doesn't believe in borrowed money that hadn't proven to be true either In fact, I wish all of that was true, but it isn't true because a lot of people came to grips with life that I don't know if I can believe this or not, or maybe I don't want to believe it, but I don't know if I can trust God. You know, the condition that my mind tells me that I have in my body or whatever tells me that it's uh, extremely serious because I learned too much when I was going to medical school. Thank God I got rescued from medical school in those college years, but... uh, I haven't been to medical school. (laughs) But, you know, you get a lot of commercials. You read a lot of things in the paper. If you have this condition, it could lead to this. You could die right away, and nobody would know it. And you believe that. Now, people get convinced and assured that that will happen, don't they? That's why you run and, oh, something's going on. Because you're convinced that what you feel or what you have heard is true. It's a fact. And the fact, if you don't treat it, will kill you. And if you don't get treated, then the whole intelligent world says you're nuts. You must go to that church. And yet that church will tell you and me that is God able to heal anything? Has he said specifically in a statement in his word that he will heal diseases and sicknesses? Has he left anything out? In fact, in Deuteronomy 28, he said, and all sicknesses not in this book are covered. So there's nothing outside of the boundaries of God that he cannot heal, and yet so many people aren't. Is it because this message is wrong, or is it because we're not getting something right in what he's saying, or we're trying to imitate somebody else's faith who got results, and we hope it works for us? Or is it just easier to take two aspirins? Or is it just easier to do a lot of things? I don't know. I have to deal with it myself. I can't tell you what to do. I don't condemn anybody today. I know there's a better way. But I know that God is good to us and he's kind to us and he's teaching us some things. Take one of the most common things and let me ask you a question. What about eyes? Can God fix eyes? What about really oblong, stubby eyes? I don't know what those are called. What about eye problems that are very serious and really leading to blindness? Can he fix all that? Well, now, it's obvious that there are a lot of people in the church aren't experiencing that, or a lot of people in life and religion haven't experienced that. Is it because God said it but doesn't mean it? I'm talking to you this morning. Is God able? Can he? Well, we know he can. Will he? Now, see, will he is where you come in. Are you convinced, having heard what he said, that he can fix your eyes and make them whatever you believe him for, better or well? Because nobody can believe this for you. Are you assured that all you need is God? that all you need is to find in his word where he says what he says, and that is all you need, and you don't need to do anything else about it that God, whether instantly or in time, will fix and make your eyes well. Well, that's the ideal, isn't it? That can happen. Do you believe when a person gets older, their body changes? All the old people say, hey, oh, man. Do you believe your eyes change? Do you believe that the Bible ever speaks of aging process? The eyes get dim. Taste buds don't enjoy that steak anymore like they once did. Or people say things, you go, "Huh," eh, like you can't hear them like you used to. Does the Bible ever speak about that in aging people? Well, it does. We talked about aging once. Can you believe that even though the Bible says you're going to die, can you believe you won't die? Oh no, I'm I'm gonna, I'm going to stick here. I'm I'm going to live forever. I ain't ever going to die. Well, sadly for you, there's a verse in the scripture that says that's not God's will. Cuz this says it is appointed unto man once to die. So you can't believe you won't because you're going to, unless you're here when the Lord comes. And some people will be. But can you believe that God will fix your eyes? Because if you believe, If you have faith in God, I'm counting on you to do this. You either are going to wear your glasses until the manifestation comes, or you're going to take your glasses off and throw them away and act like it's done and quit reading and quit driving and quit working and get fired, and we'll all have to support you and take you places. Well, now let's face it. These are the questions you deal with. These are the things that pop in your mind. You've got to wrestle with this. You can't just say, well, I, you know, so-and-so went to the driving branch to get their license and took their glasses off and said, I'm believing Jesus' name. When I look in that thing with all the A's, B's, and C's in there, when I look in there, I'm just going to start saying C-K-A-M-E-O, you know, and B-O-C-K, whatever they are, and I'll get them all right. I'm just believing God. And, of course, they go in there and they look in there and, hey, next. (laughs) And they say, you can't see a lick. Now, I've known people that have done that and got healed, manifested. I've known that people do that and just get ridiculed. See, you personally have to deal with this yourself. Is it God's will for me to see well? Do I believe this? My mother couldn't, my daddy couldn't, all the rest of my family couldn't. They all wore glasses and had false teeth. Now it's my turn coming up in life. Do I believe it'll be different for me? Are there generational curses? What do I believe? See, I have to know what I believe. I remember years ago my mother we were driving somewhere, and she told me to do something, and I was looking and you know something little in a some directions or something, just little bitty stuff. I'm, you know, just. And she said, can you read that? I said, well, I imagine. And, you know, smart Alec. And then not too many years later, maybe 20 years a later, and then uh, what does that say? You give it one of your kids, let them read it for you. Now, have I lost my faith? Is my hair getting gray? I remember one night on a trip. This was several years ago. I had to pull over to read a road map because I wasn't sure where I was. Pulled a map out and got to looking at it. I couldn't tell what numbers were on the roads. And I thought, where am I? And I remember I had trouble focusing. Now, I was preaching all the time. I knew what I believed. I knew how to believe. That was never a problem in my life. And I realized later on, when I began to ask myself a question, do you believe God can restore you back to 2020 vision? I said, about like that. Well, I know he could. I, I, um, I, I'm going to tell you the truth. I've never really wrestled with that. I, I don't know. And then one day you run into the Dollar General store, and what, $2 a pair for those cheaters and hope nobody saw you buy them and hope nobody sees them hidden behind books in your office. Because back in those days, if you wore cheater glasses or if you used a magnifying glass, oh, I see it, I see it. No, boy, I even had one in my glove box in my car in case I had to pull overnight and read a map. I could take one of them flat things out and do like this here. I can see it and hope that nobody ever saw me do that. You see, when there's a certain kind of fear that somebody's going to say something about it, it's not faith. If it was faith, you'd say, well, look, it's me, not you. It's like Romans fourteen, that you know, here's a man that believes he can't do this, here's a man that believes he can do all things. L- listen, just exist before the Lord. God'll fix the wrongs and he'll strengthen the rights. I begin to wrestle with this subject. Is it wrong then to wear glasses? What about reading glasses? Oh no, you couldn't pay me to put glasses on and you got a magn, then you got one of the big magnifying, about that big around and about that thick, and you read wouldn't glasses be easier? Oh no, I rebuke that. Well, then rebuke that magnifying glass while you got it. Rebuke all of it. Throw it all away. Quit preaching because you can't read anymore. Quit doing this or quit. Do- you see, I have to wrestle. You have to wrestle. We have to wrestle with that second point. There. Are you sure God will do this for you? Are you sure that He will fix whatever it is you want Him to fix? See, there's an attitude that people have. Well, I'll tell you what, man ain't going to fix my eyes, and I'm not going to look to man to fix. If my eyes get fixed, God will fix them, and if he doesn't fix them, they stay the way they are, I'm going to heaven like this. Is that his faith? It is. Another person says, well, I have a busy job. I have to drive. I have to work. I really can't see. I can't read. I have trouble driving unless I wear glasses. Or maybe like the preacher that I knew, I'd never seen him wear glasses ever. And we got in a car one night to go home after a meeting, and he put his glasses on. It looked like Coke bottle bottoms, and they were so thick. It had little bitty eyes and great big thick glasses. I didn't know his eyes were that bad. He only wore them when he was driving. I noticed whenever we would read in restaurants, he'd hold the menu up against his face like that. And I realized he's acting his faith as best he knows how. But he has to wear those glasses in order to function. A man I knew once was believing God for his legs to be healed. And until God healed his legs, you know, he had to wear a special shoe. Nobody condemned that. I mean, he couldn't walk without them. There's a lot of things he couldn't do without it. What are you going to do? So, see, I'm not saying one way or the other what you must do. What I'm saying is that you have to wrestle with this yourself. What your teeth, how about your teeth? Y'all have teeth? Did your family, did your mom and dad have teeth? Good. What would you do if, if all your teeth just got rotten? Just one day you woke up and the fronts fell off of all of them and they're just big black snags that they're looking at you. Would you go get them fixed? Don't you wiggle that head. So what if I had to say how many of you would go get your teeth fixed? It'd be a run on the dentist. I had one to come out, just come out. It abscessed and it just came out. It took a while. Ugly thing finally just came out. Eating a sandwich, bit backwards and it popped out. At a wedding. <laughs> and had to perform the wedding the next day with a big gap. It was embarrassing for me because people look at me all the time. I face people twice a week and I have been for way more than half of my life. So people look and notice. I don't want to distract people. I don't want people to say, what's, <laughs> what's, wrong? <laughs> what's, what's wrong with him? You know. So I found out there was a fellow in Louisville. There was a little house he had over there, and he go over there, and he'll make you a tooth. So I said, all right. I went over there, and he had his cutoffs on and T-shirt on and sit down in a chair there by his kitchen, and he fixed up a bunch of stuff and made me a tooth. Now, I had no problem with that because I don't like to wear it, but I wear it. So if you wonder if Brother Hamilton has a false tooth, I do. I'm not going to show it to you, but uh, I do. See, I personally had to wrestle with that because I know what I have preached. I know what I have believed. I know what I do believe, and I know that this is not your issue. It's my issue. If I thought this would terminate my credibility, I would get out of this pulpit and say, I'm done. But that didn't bother me. And, and we have a lot of these little things that we just can't allow ourselves to do, and for good reasons, because what you believe is what you live by. But if somebody else doesn't see it that way, somebody else doesn't have that problem, then you should leave them alone. Amen. We all have to walk where we are with what light you have, the way you live, and what your responsibilities in life are to do, that's the way you have to live. Whether you're talking about getting teeth pulled or filled or cleaned, I can tell you the last time I sat in a dental chair. You want to hear this? 1966. 1966, I had a tobacco stem down in my gum line beside a tooth, and I had to go into the dentist in Ashland, Kentucky, and he had to reach down in my gum to pull a tobacco stick stem out of my gum because I chewed tobacco a lot, and this one day it just didn't do so well. <laughs> and I remember him looking in my mouth. He said, you chew tobacco a lot, don't you? And I said, yeah. I said, how can you tell? He opened my bottom jaw was kind of caved like it there where this water tobacco for 18 years been holding that stuff in your mouth and spitting and all that and all those years had kind of p- pushed your teeth in and so that was the last time i remember being in a chair because i can shut my eyes and still hear that thing go <laughs> <sighs> so maybe i am a big baby but uh i never did like that i haven't heard it in 50 years? That's a long time. Would you ever go to do anything? I don't plan on it. I guess if it came down to whether or not people would gasp for breath by looking at you, I might fix something, but I don't have any plans to do that. But somebody else might do that. I know a lot of people that get regular dental care. I don't have a problem with them. I'm not them. I am me. I hold myself. I try to. I have tried for 40-plus years to hold myself to a standard that what I preach, I do, that if I said it, I do it, that I'm not misleading anybody, I'm not trying to interpret this to condemn people, this is what I believe, and this is what I do, and not trying to hide anything or anything of that sort, but we have to make our own decisions. Many of you have come to the place where you had an accident or a physical struggle or something that was overpowering. I mean, whether it's cancer or, or death, looking at you right in the face and you think, are you willing to die if this doesn't work? Uh, I, I not really wanting to die at all, to tell you the truth. I have no real good fuzzy piece about dying. And so you begin to, See where you are, get what you got. Sometimes you realize that you aren't where you should be. You don't have what you ought to be, but God isn't through with you. You do what you do, and then you regroup. It's either that or die. And you tell me what you want me to say. But I would suggest that everybody here evaluate yourself. What do I really believe? Do I believe God heals? Do I believe that God can do what he said? Do I believe it? Do I believe that I need all these other things? Well, do I need to borrow? I remember a man once a preached he didn't believe in borrowing, and a deal came up once, a deal that was beyond deals. Now, this was a guy who said, I don't believe in borrowing. Get out of that. And one day, a deal came. I'm talking about, I'm going to make this up, 300 prime time acres for $120,000 dollars yours. And he looked in his little meager account, and he didn't have anything close to $120,000. But he really wanted that land. And so he found a way to buy that land. And it wasn't because of the cash that he had or money that he had saved up for it. He went to the bank and borrowed it. And didn't want anybody to know that he did that, but one of the people in his church once said to me, just years ago, our preacher borrows because I'd said something. To him. Oh, so you borrow borrowing now. Well, our preacher does. It's back to what I said. I'm an example. I have to be very careful. You know, if I needed glasses to read this Bible, I would rather memorize it before I got out here so I wouldn't have to wear them. I don't want to wear glasses. I don't. I don't want false teeth. But only as a convenience for keeping people from being distracted, no problem. Not for me. Somebody else say, I wouldn't do that. That's you. I respect that. But we come to the place where we have to evaluate ourselves in light of this word. Now, I know that God said this. Am I sure that he will do this for me? Should I borrow like that guy did to buy this property, the only once-in-a-lifetime deal? Never again will something like this come. Should I join the chorus that says, well, how will you ever have anything if you don't borrow? How can our church ever have a nice building if we don't borrow? Listen, 20, 30 years ago, we could have had a nice place. All we had to do was ask for a little help, and we would have got all the help we needed. But I wouldn't be able to preach that message anymore. The devil said, you can mark that one off, buddy, because you're no longer qualified to preach about that. How many of you know that we have a life to live? We have a standard that God lays before all of us to go by. Not just me. You can say, well, he's a preacher. No, you're you. This is the way we are all supposed to live. This is the way God wants us to live. Turn to Romans 14. This is how he wants us to exist. You got a Bible. You read it. And quit trying to pattern yourself after what everybody else says. Just do what he says. Well, so-and-so, they do this. Well, I can say, well, so-and-so doesn't. Well, how can you have in your church one that does this and one that does this? Well, the standard for fellowship in our church is not who does this and who doesn't do this. The standard is Jesus Christ who alone can fix it all. That's who our loyalty and devotion goes to. That's Romans chapter 14. But look in verse 5 of Romans 14. Let every man be what? Does your Bible say that? What if you say this morning, I don't think I can throw my glasses away and even get home safe today? Well, then you shouldn't throw them away, should you? And you shouldn't be condemned if you wear them home. You can make it a matter of prayer, and you can make it a matter of your searching and come to a place and say, teach me what you want me to do or how to do this because I'm very limited in this area about what I can do and what I can't do without that. I need some help here. Have you found Romans 14, 5? Listen to it, you read, let every man, that's you and me, let every one of us, each one of us, in our relationship to God and his promises and his way for us to live, let each of us individually be persuaded in our own minds. wrestle with it, deal with it. What are you going to do with it? Yes, God can, yes, that's the ideal. yes, 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 but do you believe, are you assured that he'll do it for you? Are you sure of that? Because thirdly, this takes us all the way back to the beginning of this whole walk. If you're sure that he will, are you willing to act like it? If you're convinced that God can heal you of something you're taking medicine for, whether it's a metabolical thing or a heart thing or whatever, blood, whatever it is, heart, lungs, do you believe God could heal you from that? Obviously, you're not convinced he will. You know he could because if you were convinced that I see it, I know it's true, then you'd have to throw it away. You'd have to quit doing it. That'd be your act of faith. Faith is counting on God to do what he says. If you're sure he will do it, then you start counting on him, not man, but God. So that's why you have to sit down yourself personally and count the cost because chances are you're going to go through a time of trial and testing over this. You're going to get persecuted for it. People are going to laugh at you, mock you, and say ugly and evil things about you all because you're not doing it the way you used to do it because you're convinced that God will do it. If you can't act like you have what you say you believe, then you don't have faith yet. To have faith in God is to act like what he said is true some can some can't some will some won't years ago Bonnie and I we went to where we learned faith in a church we heard about it second time we ever heard the message in living color we had a couple tapes and driving home she said to me I remember that she said we've been robbed we have been robbed begin reflecting back on our families all the stuff in our family trees and how people live with blindness and sickness and short lives and turmoil and trouble that never, ever in all their busy church life never learned how to deal with it or who was behind it. And in one night, it cleared up. Just one night, boom. She said, we have been robbed. And I, You're right, we have been. How did this happen without us? Nobody ever taught us. Preacher didn't walk by faith. How could he teach it? He didn't live this way. He's not going to teach he does when he doesn't. You know, if people don't want to live this way, they can't teach it. And what happens to all the people? They never understand it. They just learn to cope with problems and do what everybody else does. We went home. She informed me the next day that all the medicines that were in the medicine cabinet and all the that I just paid five or six bucks for a bottle. It cost $1,000 a day, but <laughs> poured all that stuff out down the drain and got rid of it, renounced it, and said, we're free in Jesus' name. I remember thinking, hmm, okay. Women seem to get this a little quicker than men. And sure enough, Through the process of time, the symptoms got less and less and less. They were no longer gone. You no longer needed it. But you see, if you believe that your family's healed, then you act like your family's healed. My wife told me one time, you know, again, it's women, laying in bed with a headache and a fever and had that rag on my head like this and pulled a cover up over me. And she said, I think you can fight the good fight of faith better if you're on your feet, couldn't you? (laughs) Now, I did what I did not want to do or feel like doing, but I did it because if I really believe I was healed at Calvary, I'm going to get up and act like I was healed at Calvary if I can get up. Some people can't act like they're healed. You know, some people couldn't walk without a crutch or a wheelchair or without some kind of help or aid or something. So they just have to do the best that they can. But she said, you can do better if you're on your feet. So I got out of bed, and I'm thinking, oh, man, what a day. But you know what? By the end of the day, it was gone. It just goes away. God is involved in all of this. Not everybody is willing to act like it's true. One of our kids out in the garage playing on an old chopping block and fell off of that thing fell on his head on a chopping block and one of the other kids came in and said you know jimmy was hurt so bonnie went out there and there he is laying on the floor you know not really acting like he's hurt but worse so she picks him up and takes him back in the bedroom this is where we started puts him in a bed lays hands on him and said i know it's not your will that he should be harmed or die and in Jesus' name, he's healed, and I rebuke his Satan, stuff like that. And he goes back in the other room. I think she said she was knitting a sweater. And about two hours later, off for the two hours, you better go check. He's probably dead, but now, I mean, he wasn't looking good. When you took him back there. You studied biology in college, and, you know, you're smart, and so you better go look at him. And heard a noise rustling back there a couple hours later. And it was Jim coming to the house, and he was hungry. He wanted something to eat, and he was well, totally well. Why wouldn't she go back there and check him? Because she's acting like when she prayed, God heard the prayer, and he said, if you know he hears you, then you know you have it. If I know I have it, I'm not going to act like I don't have it. Even faith people think, "I uh, I can tell. But look on some of your face. I don't know about all that stuff. Well... It's too late to wonder about it because it's already happened. It's a testimony. This is what God did. Dancing around the room one night with a child that had a fever convulsing. Her fever was so high she was convulsing. And I'm dancing singing this joy, his joy while she's jerking in my arms because I'm acting my faith. What do you mean? Well, count it all joy. When you encounter divers trials, this was one of them. After a while, she quit convulsing. I I prayed, and she still had a pulse. You read stuff in a paper all the time. That's part of the problem. Go in there and put her to bed. Next morning, she gets up, two big glasses of orange juice. I don't know if she's ever had a fever since. Got her teeth knocked loose one time, or two weeks later. down in Hopkinsville, Kentucky, at a doctor's invitation to a church that he owned, a Christian man. One day, her teeth went, popped right straight back up. Everything was healed and perfect, and he saw it. But we acted like it was true. We went back out in public. We went here. We went there. Somebody said, well, can't you believe that God will replace teeth? Why don't you just do that? Let us see that big old gap. Let's just believe God will put... Well, you know what? Tell you the truth... I don't know if I can believe it like that or not. Well, this is faith church. It? Yeah, but let me tell you something. Here's a principle. What I want to believe and what I can believe are two different things because faith is always a matter of the heart. It's the heart that you got to deal with. Am I convinced in my heart that God will heal this child, heal these teeth of this child, that God will fix this, that God will repair, that God will cause the money to come in? Do I believe here I am a preacher talking about prosperity? Do I believe that God will prosper me? I don't have any church to support me. I live by offerings. I did then. I still do. And I just believe. I used to father in the name of Jesus. But then I'd act like it. we go out to eat. And, well, I don't know if I can afford it. i say I can. Had barely enough to afford it. Just barely enough, like a $10 hamburger or something. Oh, I, we can't afford that. And I thought, you believe in prosperity? I do. Go buy that hamburger. $10? I get three or four of them down at the Golden Arches. That one right there. You have to act your faith. And it just works. It just money came in. Give and it shall be given unto you. Do you remember that one? Giving to people, helping people, and doing things like that. I found through the years, and I'm not going to teach you on this, but I found through the years as I acted like that works, acted like that's true. I believe as you give, it'll be given unto you. Luke 6. So I began giving. I give and expected a return, and it kept coming in. It was coming in better than it was going out. So it was easy to go out and you get more coming back. I wasn't trying to see how much I could get. I was proving God. And he proved himself well. But you've got to act your faith. What do you believe about your body, about your children lost or saved, about your physical needs, about your spiritual life? What do you believe? believe you got to act like it's true you got to act like when you walk around jericho the walls are going to fall down flat you got to believe that you got to act like it's true the woman with the issue of blood in mark chapter 5 she had to believe that if she could just get through the crowd and touch his garment that this condition in her body she spent all that she had and was never better how you going to touch a man just touch a man's garment and be healed but that's what she believed you know why we know she believed that? Because she waded through there and found him. And I'm sure they wanted to shove her aside. She, she got in there and grabbed his garment like it there, and he said virtue went out of him. It still does. It still does. But you got to want it. you got to believe it first, and then you got to act like it's true. And whatever you have to do, you do it. Ten lepers had to go show themselves unto the priest, the high priest. And as they went, the Bible says, they were healed. Naaman, the Syrian big shot, had to wash himself in a dirty old Palestinian river to get healed of leprosy. But he acted like that would work, and it did work. Folks, if you believe you are well, act well. If you believe God can, then he can. If you believe you need cough medicine for coughs, then take your medicine. If you believe God heals coughs, then quit taking your medicine. If you believe you need it, take it. If you're not sure that it works, then keep it. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Think about it. Just think about it. If I believe I am saved. Is there a way people know? How do you know? By your life. How you live. You act saved, don't you? Don't you quit doing certain things, talking a certain way, going certain places, wearing certain things, driving better than you used to? Why? Because you're a Christian. People are watching you now. This is your testimony. This is what we see in you. And if you act crazy and you drive crazy and you flip around and you're all, I don't think you're saved. You're not acting like it. You don't sound like it. You got to act like it. You got to do what it says. You tear the roof off if you have to to get a man in there where Jesus is. Faith will do that. Read Hebrews 11. Sarah conceived strength to conceive because she counted God faithful. And all the many testimonies in Hebrews 11, they all did something. They all acted in a certain way that brought light to the word. All their actions of faith were based on what God said, which they said, we believe that, I believe that, I'm going to act like that's true. I've claimed the new truck. I claimed the new one. And one day you come home with $50 worth of receiver hitches. That's what you put your trailer on the back of. Amen. So you've got $50 worth of receiver hitches. And your wife says, What are we going to do with them? I don't know how to eat that. Well, we can't bake those. I said, Those are for my truck your truck and exactly where is your truck that we don't have enough money to buy i say woman get thee behind me but anyway (laughs) i would say i'm believing god i asked god for a new truck and it's on its way and so i put these out in the garage waiting for my truck am i acting my faith either that or i'm crazy My daddy and I took a ride in an old car. I've, I've told this story before. Driving down the road, it was kind of thumping around and making its usual noises. My daddy said, uh, you need a new car. I said, I got one. He said, where is it? I said, you know, I don't know. I don't know where it is. But I prayed for it, and I'm believing God for it. But it's somewhere on, from wherever it was to where I am. And I remember the silence. My daddy never heard nothing like that. He never, Catholic Church never taught that. They never came to faith by thumping on their chest and all of that Latin talk. They never learned a thing about it. And here I am, his son. He said, oh, you need to get another car. Your mom and I will sign for it if you want to go get one. I said, you don't have to. We've already got one. Point four, I'm going to talk like what I believe is true. Most people talk themselves out of their faith. They said, well, I prayed for God to heal me, but I don't feel any better. Well, you don't believe you're any better. When I believe I had that car, when I believe I told my daddy about this, what I believed I had, or wife about the receiver hitches in the truck, I simply said with my mouth what I believe. Well, I have a truck. I have a car. Well, I was healed by the stripes of Jesus. But well, don't you have a condition, some kind of problem in your body? Well, there was a problem there once, but it's been healed. And while you're saying it's been healed, you're hurting, you can feel it. The swelling, the bleeding, whatever the problem is, the blurred, it's still there. But you say with your mouth, I believe I'm healed. God is faithful. So will you begin to act like you've got it, you begin to talk like you've got it, And the reason you're acting and talking is, first of all, because in your heart, you believe you have it. And I've found way too many people in my life just didn't have it in their heart. They wanted it. They heard all the good testimonies every week. Maybe their next, 20 years later, they never got it. The condition they were believing for never came to pass. The marriage failed. They lost their house, lost their job. Nothing came out the way it was supposed to. And that testimony of theirs began to rub off on others and instill fear in other people. Well, if it didn't work for me, it probably won't work for you either. And so on and so on and so forth. Let me say this in closing. Faith is not designed to fail. If you believe, if you believe something to be God's will and you're sure of it, you're sure of it, you're assured and certain about it, persuaded. And you're willing to act like it's true in spite of no evidence to its truth, but you believe it is because faith calls those things that be not as though they are. That's the way God works. Romans 4, God calleth those things that be not as though they are, and so do you. If you're willing to act like it and then you're willing to tell me and talk like it's true, only one thing left to do. Don't look back. You're going to be tested. You're going to be sifted. Sifting and testing never means you're going to fail. It doesn't mean you're under a curse. It doesn't mean you've missed God. Remember, the heart, the heart is where the rejoicing comes from. The heart is where the faith is. And even though there's trials and tossings back and forth, the heart remains steadfast because it's sure and certain. All of our trials and these temptations and things that come our way because we take a sip of faith, it's God working a deeper work in you. They drive you to God. They work upon you on the inside to bring forth his personality and his life through you. These are things that cause you to use your faith. This problem comes up and you search and the Spirit of God brings you a revelation. say, oh God, you said in your word and Lord, some of these long, nice and difficult days and oh God, you pleading and walking with the Lord. Then the light pops on and you become sure and steadfast. And God brings forth in you that character that is encouraging to other people going through trials. They look at you and say, you know what? I know what they're going through. They're doing well. I can do that. You're the one they want to talk to because you prove with your life, with your stability, that you've got it. And, folks, if there's one thing in the church today that we need from each other is to see stability, to see it. To know that the person you're sitting beside is holding fast to God and not afraid to get into this because if it fails, I might die. That's not faith. God didn't give you that. That's the devil's version. God is on your side. Let me close with this one statement. Would you turn to Matthew 25? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, And verse 21, I think he says it in two verses, 21, maybe 23, but he says, this is where we must all want to finish. This is where we must all want to come. Come to right here. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Won't that be good? Okay. Sum total. Sum it up. Your faith is designed to bring you right there. God gave it with that purpose. It will be tested, but this is what it does. So, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Count the cost because what you're wanting to believe for is going to cost you something. You're going to act like it's true. What about your buddies? What about your job? What do you believe? Are you more concerned about what God feels and the last statement you'll ever hear in life, God saying, well done, or are you worried about being a... You better count the cost. You'll lose friends walking this way. I've lost most of mine until I got here. Now I've got a bunch. All I'm saying is that God can do what he said. If you believe it, he'll do it. Amen. Would you bow your head with me? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for the power that is in your word, what you promised to us, what you watch over to do. Make it real and certain to us. Help us to see that. Give us faith, Lord, so that by grace we may walk in thy truth. As the psalmist said. As we approach this communion table today, we are thankful for what it means. For by one man's sacrifice, we who were sinners have been made saints. If we'll believe it. Grant us a time of reflection now, Lord, as we examine ourselves and think about what the communion is about. We give you great and wonderful thanksgiving for it. In Jesus' name, amen.